0: Mohammed, believe that. Can I hear you say amen? When you build this year, 2020, on Jesus, you won't be shaken. I want to just encourage you with what I received this morning in the back room as I was praying, seeking God for today, pivotal day in the year, last Sunday of the year. And I really was blown away by what I heard. What I heard while I was praying Is I heard God cursing. Do you know that God curses? Yeah, I heard God cussing. He was cursing. And as he was cursing, I began to tune in like as if I was listening to a radio station. And I heard what he was saying and who he was speaking to. He was cursing the devil. God curses the devil. We're not to curse each other out because we are to pray and bless each other. Even the ones who hate us, we are to bless them. The Bible says when they curse us. But I heard Jesus cursing out the devil. I'm being honest with you. This is not make-believe. And I heard what he called him. He said, you're a damned liar. In my spirit, right back there. Somebody say, in his spirit. Come on, in my spirit, I heard Jesus call him a damned liar. And then I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why are you cursing him out? Why are you getting on him? And then instantly God just started flashing in my mind all these lies the devil had told me this year. Fears that I had something was going to happen to my kids or the church was going to fall apart. And I heard Jesus saying, you're a curse. You're a damn liar, devil. And then I literally took those words in my mouth and I looked right at the devil, you know, in the spirit. And I just thought of all those things he told me as lies. And I said, you're a damn liar. See, God damned the devil. He has prepared hell for him. But all he has right now are lies. And that's all the power he has over us is the power of a lie. And it is up to us to believe the truth because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Are you listening to me? Is there anybody here today that can point back at 2019 and say, Devil, you're a damn liar. You lied to me. You told me I wasn't going to make it. You told me I was going to lose my mind. You told me everybody was going to leave me. You're a damn liar. You see, today I want to encourage you to look back. Look back on 2019 and check off every lie he told you. That things were only going to get worse. That you were going to have to stay in that place financially or that you were going to have to give up. You know, in our hearts and our lives, lies can sound so real. And when we're going through it, and some of you might be going through it right now, they sound so loud and they sound so real. But I'm telling you, you need to tell that, di- that devil he's just a damned liar. He is a damned liar. He, he has no authority over us. Every promise that God has spoken will come to pass. Amen. And we have a track record at what he's already done. So I want to get that microphone back up here if we can, please. And then we're going to sing another song. But I want to have a couple testimonies of some people here that know the devil's a damn liar. That you came through this year. You came through this year despite, thank you, what he told you was going to happen or go wrong in your life. And you want to praise your good God who never lies but always tells the truth. Can I get about three or four of you to come testify? We'll start with Billy right here. Come on. Shame the devil and glorify Jesus.
1: God is so good. 2019 was the worst year of my life. Mm. The devil told me, You're not worth it. The devil told me, No one cares. The devil told me that You should just die. Mm. I lost my dad this year, I've lost my grandma this year. Mm. I've lost my uncle this year, and every single time the devil told me this, Philippians 4:13 came in my mind. That's right. Philippians 4:13. I can do all things <laughs> through Christ who strengthens me. That's left.
2: right. That's the truth. Every
1: single time, Woo! I had friends <laughs> behind my back. I had family behind my back. Every single, the, every single time the devil said, "You're not worth it." No one cares. Yep. I had friends. I had family. I had God behind my back every single time. Yeah.
0: God was there. Come and on. I
1: praise Him every single day. And 2020 is going to be my year.
0: Amen.
2: Hallelujah.
1: I'm going to. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. Let's
3: give it to Augie. Thank you, Billy. Amen. Uh, so. I just want to say my season started in August 2018 when I decided to leave my job as a security guard. I, I wanted something better, you know, for my wife, for my daughter. That she was on her way in October 2018. And um, so I, I didn't know if I should pursue the, the life of a police officer, a journeyman electrician. And God opened up these doors, like, real fast. Boom, 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 boom for for this uh, assistant electrician position.
0: Ooh, come on.
3: But... I knew what was going to be ahead of me, mm. meaning my finances would have to decline tremendously. Yeah. So over the year, we were just living check to check to check, you know, just $5, you know, away from being negative and all mm. the time, every time. But God has always sustained us each and Come every on. time. Woo, each and amen. every time. God sustained us. We, we made those bill payments every single time, but we were very, very like right on the dollar of being not having enough but it was enough every time come on you know just living check to check to check yeah. and one time i i uh you know i, I hit the box truck into a garage door at, my, at mm. my job and i was like man that's it i lost it you know yeah. that's, that's it but no they just they gave me grace come on and for some reason nice i had God. this huge favor amongst this job amongst my bosses and um now that I'm a, I'm a, I'm an apprentice, apprentice electrician now. Wow. You know, I just finished school. It was so much worry because the, some of you guys, I don't know if you saw on the a prayer list, I was just so nervous. Pray for me, pray for me. You know, if I don't make it, I don't get a job by next week, you know, and, but I, I made it, you know, I made Amen. it. I passed with flying colors. Amen. <laughs> and, um, now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going back to work. I'm, I'm learning a lot and, uh, My insurance will be kicking in by the end of January. It's just awesome. It's increasing and increasing as the week goes by, and I just couldn't be so thankful to God that He provided us in every situation. Mm. Thank you, Lord. He provided us in every situation. It was so hard. It was so hard. But we made it through, thanks to God. And the devil kept telling me, Oh, you're gonna fail, you're gonna have to go back to your original job, you're gonna be a laughing stock. Everyone around you is gonna laugh at you, but no, it was the exact opposite. That was I a, damn, that liar. Was a Amen. damn liar. Amen.
4: Praise God. I was such a broken teen before I came here and mm. I found God and the amazing leaders of Elevate Praise and God. MPI. The main problem was I wanted I wanted Jesus. And I wanted to surrender to him, but I couldn't. And I couldn't because I had one foot in and one foot out. Mm. I had the devil whispering in my ear telling me I'm not good enough. Come on. That Jesus doesn't forgive me for the things that I've done because I'm a sinner.
0: Mm. He's a liar.
4: And this morning before I came here, I was meeting with Jackie for 101. And I was telling her in my lesson two of my 101 book, it tells you, Right in the cross, all the things that Jesus has taken from you on the cross—he's mm. taken from me my depression, Whoa. my suicide attempts, come on, and me just being a sinner. He's taken on the cross all the stuff that I was ashamed for, and Lord, He's made me a strong person to come up here today and share it with you guys because I was sharing with Jackie how I shouldn't be ashamed That's right. because He died on the cross for us. He's taken everything, and the people and the nations need to know that. People don't know that. They need to know that he died for us. He died for all of our sickness. Whether we're sick, we'll pray for them to be healed. He needs to know that he's taken our sorrows and all of our sins and all the bad that we've ever done because God is good and his glory is great. And I'm so grateful that I'm here today to share this all with you because this is what God has put on my heart. I am tired of And I will praise you, God, and I will share with
0: everyone here today. Hallelujah! (laughs) Hallelujah! Woo! Amen. Keep it going. Come on. This is exciting.
5: Some of you know that I lost my wife back in November. Um, That was the hardest thing Mm. that I could have gone through because that would be my 9/11. You know, the Twin Towers, when they fell, America was like, that was you know, one of the greatest strategies we face as a nation. That was my greatest strategy. Mm. And, you know, there were thoughts in my head, you know, about how real are my beliefs. But then the end of the day, I st- by God's grace, I stand firm. And here I stand. Amen. Saying that the Lord is good. Because his word says...
6: Woo! His
5: Hallelujah. word says that uh, his rod... Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. That's right. For his rod and staff comfort me. <laughs> oh, come on. So even yes, now, Lord. I choose his word, his spirit, his community oh, so to comfort me. Yes, Lord. And not choose to be in a dark place, but yeah. move in the light with Jesus. Walk Amen. in the staff. Amen. Because God's peace surpasses all understanding. And I can tell you today I have peace because God is greater in my heart. That's because right. God is greater than my circumstance. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
7: I just want to share how, like, this last year I was, like, so sick. Like, so sick. I mean, like, chronically sick. I was sick all the time. And then, like, I would be sick half the day and then the other half the day I'd be fine. I mean, I'd be so sick, I couldn't even like walk. I'd be crawling in pain mm. from everything that I was going through. And then the devil started to lie to me like, this is all in your head. You're making this up. Mm. Like, why are you sick on a Sunday? You know, oh, why are you sick on this day? And um, I was missing church a lot because I was always sick, mm. you know, and I couldn't control when it, I would have a flare up and when I wouldn't. And then I started having anxiety attacks which mm. triggered my sickness and it just made everything worse. And I thought I was going to be like that forever. Like, I thought I was never going to get healed. And, and even though I believed that God would heal me because he had done it multiple times, I just, I couldn't see the light at the end of that tunnel. Mm. Like, I couldn't see Come me on. getting out of that season where I was in. And it was just horrible. It was just, I, it was just the worst season of my life literally. And, and what made it hard was like the enemy lying to me, you know, that I was never going to get healed. I was never going to be better, that people thought that I was faking my sickness, that my husband was tired of taking care of me. And all of these lies, you know, like, oh, you know, oh, you're going to the doctor again. You have another appointment again, you know, like you're homeschooling the kids and now they have a half day again, you know, like, and, and God just came in in that moment. And Praise and I just asked God. I remember I was listening to this Lauren Daigle song, Speak What Is True. And I said, God, I need you to speak what is true in this situation.
0: Amen. Woo. Hallelujah.
7: And he began to tell me that I was healed. And he began to tell me that Come there was on. an answer. And I'm not making it up. It's not all in my head. And he was like, no, there's something really wrong with you. And I need you to get this taken care of. And I need you to stop putting everyone and everything in front of your health." Because you have children, and, and I have plans for you, and I have plans to prosper you, and I'm going to send you to the nations, and I need you to get this taken care of. And here I was putting it to the back burner. When I started walking in God's truth I started taking care of it. And I ended up needing surgery. They ended up finding a hernia that they told me could have erupted sporadically at any time. And had I kept listening to the lie of the, the lie of the devil, who knows when my last day would have been. But because of God's truth, I pressed forward. I I kept looking for answers. I went to doctor after doctor and specialist after specialist. And appointment after appointment. By the time I got in the surgery room and I came out, they told me what they thought was a small problem. They were like, it was way bigger than we thought it was. And it could have ruptured sporadically. Mm. And had that ruptured, you know, you wouldn't be here. This is a miracle. Thank God you ended up getting this taken care of. And since then, I've been healed from... 99.9% of everything I dealt with. I don't have that pain anymore. You know, I'm here. This is the most consistent I've been at our ministries, at our church events, at everything since I've gotten saved by the grace of God. Amen.
0: Amen. That's so awesome. Praise God. Last but not least, testify. I
6: wasn't going to come up here I remember what Griselda said about one of the God's disciples that had the same problem and he uh-huh. still mm-hmm. did what he was supposed to do. Amen. Um, Amen. This year was, uh, it was struggling because people were dying left to right. Um, my finances was low. I, I was mm-hmm. not able to pay for, you know, ties and stuff mm-hmm. regularly. But I had Griselda, God, <laughs> Kiara, and Cielo and Jazzy on my side this whole year. Come on. And um, I started um, just forgetting about the bad um, finances I had and was tithing regularly. Mm. And now I have paid off my mom. I didn't got the car in my <laughs> <house>. <laughs> Come on. I was paying for school. 2020
0: would be my year, too. Um, Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. I want you, if you're battling something right now and you want to see a breakthrough like these other folks have experienced, would you meet me at this altar? Because I want to sing this song with you today. Father, we believe that you defeated the enemy through Jesus on the cross. And all those who still want to see a breakthrough right now at the end of the year. Even before 2020 comes, I pray for these right now. That healing will come. Finances will come. Relationships will come. Addictions will be broken. I'm going to give a few more moments for those who need to be up here. Come on, don't don't leave out here the same way you came. If you've been battling something this year, maybe it's even different than what you testified about. Come on back. As I told the first service, I would be here right now if I wasn't leading this altar call. You know what you're going through, and you want to see that breakthrough. You want to see it be broken in the name of Jesus. You know the devil's a damned liar, and Jesus Christ is the truth. I'm going to wait a few more moments for you to come. Don't make this harder than it needs to be. God wants to do a great work in your life, but you've got to come. You've got to reach out in faith and believe. You've got to take that step today. He's empowered you to do it. Do it right now. A few more moments. I'm waiting to see who wants to see a breakthrough even now. Who wants to see healing even now? Who wants to experience joy right now? It's ours in the name of Jesus. All right. Come on. Let's go. Let's worship together with those here in the front. The enemy. He's been been defeated.
2: defeated. Death couldn't hold us down. We couldn't hold jesus down and they can't hold us down we're going to lift that voice in victory come on let's sing it out today Shout it out today. Come on, shout it out today. There's power in your shout. There's power in the presence of God. Oh, shout to God with the voice of
6: triumph. Let's do it.
2: Let's see God do it again. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Shout out to God with the voice of You ready to shout, we're gonna shout out
0: Jesus, there is power in your shower. There is power and faith in Jesus today. Every bondage broken. No matter how long you gotta wait, be faithful. Be faithful. All those who came up for your breakthrough, take in a deep breath of freedom right now and breathe out praise. You gotta learn the rhythms of grace. Learn the rhythms of grace. Breathe in freedom. Breathe out praise. The reason why most people freak out when they're swimming is because they don't know how to breathe. They don't know how to put their head in the water and breathe out. And then to take their head out the water and breathe in you got to learn the rhythm of grace. I'm not just going to send you back to your seats yet. you got to learn right now from this point forward. I'm learning with you that whatever we're facing, even if when we walk out here, it looks exactly the same. We're going to breathe in freedom. Every day, we're going to breathe in the Word of God. And we're going to exhale. We're going to exhale the praises of God. Come on, take a lesson from your human body. Get the spiritual lesson. All that's physical represents what's spiritual. The breathing in and breathing out function of your body is to teach you how to live in the spirit. Bring it in and then bring it out. And what you bring in, what you bring in causes you to bring out that praise. So you're not going to look at your circumstances and bring in heaviness. You're not going to look at your circumstances and bring in fear. You're going to bring in freedom. You're going to bring in the grace. You're going to bring in the love of God. And you're going to breathe out the praise and the trust. Rachel, just sing that over them right now. Breathe in. Come on, breathe it in. And then breathe it out. Get in the rhythms of grace. Dance with the divine. Breathe in. Come on, the difference between swimming and drowning is knowing the rhythms you might feel like you're drowning but God wants to teach you how to swim through this and go through this situation learn the rhythm of grace you're going to make it the devil is a damned liar Jesus is the truth the promise is the truth the promise is your truth today Come on, just say, I breathe you in, and I breathe out your praise. I breathe you in, and I breathe out your praise. I breathe in your love. Come on, I breathe out your praise. Everything we go through is going to result in praise towards God. Everything is going to result in praise towards God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. He's going to do it this year. Amen. Welcome back. We missed you. Welcome back and welcome. Hello. Slap your neighbor high five and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. This is the year. This is your year. It's your time. Today we're going to talk about having 2020 vision for the year 2020. 2020. How many of you have to wear glasses or contacts like me? Anybody? You know, the thing about wearing glasses is that they're uncomfortable, but they're needed. Now, some of you wear contacts, and you say, man, I forgot that I even wore them, and I went to bed in them. I I didn't have contacts like that. I have astigmatism, so I had to wear hard lenses, and I always felt like I had them in, so I went only to glasses. But those of you who have had LASIK, I think Rachel, she's had LASIK surgery. You know how good that feels, right? Rachel, did you have LASIK? And it feels good. But think about when you go to the eye doctor. When you go there, and let's say I take off my glasses right here, and they start testing me, how many know they're not judging me? How many know they're not judging me? How many know they're helping me? They're not condemning me, they're helping me. So if the man told me, he said, read 2020 vision, go ahead and put up our notes, just the introduction there. If he said, read 2020 vision and I can't read it, how many know he's just telling me the truth if he says that's not right, that's not normal? You see, with my glasses off, I can't even read what I'm looking at on the screen right now. So when I go to the eye doctor, I come there with an expectation that they're going to fix me. They're going to help me. They're going to refocus me. He's not going to have me walk out into a world that's going to adjust to me seeing things blurry. He's going to adjust me to the world so I can see it clearly. How many know where I'm going with this? When you're in life and you don't see things clearly, you can't get upset with God. God is trying to help you, or rather, God is helping you, and it's up to you whether or not you receive it so you can get your 2020 vision. And as I'm sitting there in the eye doctor, he starts giving me lenses and he says, Does this make your vision better or worse? How many have been there? Better or worse? Have you ever been to the eye doctor? Are you up this morning? And they say, Better or worse? Better or worse? For those of you who have glasses, you can relate to this. And then eventually, guess what I get? I get a prescription where I can see now 20-20 vision. I walk out of there with everything I need to function in the world. You coming to church, reading your word and believing it is what focuses your vision You need to leave out of here today, seeing clearly the plan that God has for your life. And God is going to adjust the plan to your life as your life is changing. When I change a prescription, I have to get a, when my eyes change, I have to change that prescription and get a different set of glasses. When you go through life, your life changes. You need a different set of prescriptions for what you're gonna do. So, for example, everything in the Bible is already written. It's already there. Pray, you know, help your neighbor, do all those things. But how does that apply to your life? Should you give away all your money to the poor? That's a word that was given to a rich man. Is that your word today? Do you apply that to you exactly? No, you need a word to apply to your life. So you have to be in prayer and know at that moment how much you give in offerings. For me, I like to give around 5%. That's what I try to build up to. When you look at the Bible, you see Peter walking on water because Jesus said, Come to me. Have you tried walking on water lately? Most of us, if we tried, we fell. Why? Because Jesus never told you to walk on water. So, how do you know when to step out in faith and do that which you're supposed to do, which wasn't what Peter was doing? It may be like what Peter was doing, but you're going to do something different. Maybe start a business, and that's you walking on water. Are you listening? Everything about the Bible has already been written, but that which you are living is coming out right now daily in the specifics of your life. Now, do I believe God's perfect knowledge contains your future? Absolutely. But I'm saying God is with you in the present, leading and guiding. Let me give you an example. I always want to spend time alone with God every single day. As I do that over the years, how I spend time with God changes. When I first started spending time with God, I was doing a lot of the talking. And most of it was yelling because I was praying like how we pray in church when we're excited. And so I would be alone with God and I would be shouting and hollering. Now after 20 years, it's mostly silence because I'm doing more listening. I'll pray a few sentences, things that are in my heart. And then I'll just silently listen to the Lord, have him guide my thoughts and guide me into the word of God. Still praying, still being alone with God. But I needed my vision adjusted for what does a devotional look like for a 41-year-old Christian who's been serving God for 20 years. Every time we go to the eye doctor, they are checking to see whether or not we have 2020 vision. And if we don't, they're going to align us with the prescription so we can get it. When we come to church, when we serve God, when we believe in his word, we should be constantly letting him adjust us and give us the vision, the clear sight of what he has for our life. That's what we want to do in this coming year. So it's more than just a play off the words 2020 vision for the year 2020. Let's take the principle that God wants to focus us not only this year, but every year and every day of our lives. Go to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2. Let's go to the prophet. Somebody say preach it. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord replied, he said, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. may say, it certainly will come and it will not delay. Amen. You know we love the prophets. We've actually preached the entire book of Habakkuk, verse by verse. You can find it online to get caught up to the context here. But briefly, let me just remind you, Habakkuk is a Jewish prophet during the time of the kings, and they were living in sin against God, and God was going to judge the nation of Israel and Judah with other nations conquering them because they had been so disobedient. Of course, if you were living at that time, you would freak out because most of your friends are either going to die or they're going to be made slaves. That's how Daniel ended up in the lion's den. He was conquered by a nation. Babylon is about ready to come and take them over. But yet, God says in the midst of this, he is going to do a great thing. It's going to work out for the good. And he starts giving him this revelation. And he says, before I give it to you, you have to know what you're responsible for when it comes to you. You've got to write it down number one and then number two you've got to give it to others and then number three they've got to now run with it and give it to others as well somebody say write it down somebody say give it to others and then say pass it along and then he said number four you got to wait for it because it's not going to come burger king your way right away you're going to have to wait as it lingers God oftentimes gives us promises the exact same way. He sees the circumstances, the problems that we're in, and he wants to give us a revelation. King James uses the word vision in the same context. Write down the vision. Make it plain on tablets. For the vision awaits an appointed time. And what God wants to do is reveal to us a vision for an appointed time that we can write down and be encouraged to remember, hand it to others so they can pray for us and to also encourage us and pass it along so that people have... Hope beyond the scope of what they see now. How many know you can only see so far ahead? They say from the Hancock Sears Tower, what you can see 20 miles, 30 miles on a good day. How many know you can only see so many miles in your own life? You can only see but the few trees. It's hard to see the forest. It's hard to see where the plan is going. It's hard to understand where me and these six kids are going with my wife. It's hard to understand how my doctorate's going to work out for good because I feel like I'm in the cemetery, not the seminary. It's hard to understand how all these things are going to work for good, but how many know God sees it? How many know there's an appointed time for everything you're going through? And so what God wants to do is give you vision, a little taste of it right now. He wants to do a little peekaboo with the future and say, peeky-boo, look at here. He wants you to be able to peer in and get a taste of it so you don't get discouraged. So that you can have a real hope, not just make-believe. Not just like, oh, man, I'm going to win the lottery one day. Or one day I'm going to marry somebody that's like uh, Miss America or something. No, God wants you to set your heart on something that's legitimate. Like, for real, I'm going to marry a man or woman of God, and, it's going to, and they're going to be like this. I'm going to have a family, and it's going to look like this. When I was a single man, God gave me a taste of what my wife would be like. He showed me not a picture of her in her physical attributes, but what she would be like spiritually, and what it would be like for me. He gave me a taste of what my family would be like so that when I was a bachelor to the rapture, single for 10 years, ready always to mingle, but God had me on a tight leash, I could have hope that it wasn't going to end like that. I I like to tease people. How many of y'all love Jesus so much that if he came before your wedding day, you would still be happy? You know, That's that's how you know if you really love Jesus, you know. He's going to interrupt your wedding. That's what I thought was going to happen. You know, I was about ready to get married. Trumpets were going to go off. Jesus is going to come down. Here I am. You don't get to do that anymore. Uh, I love Jesus that much, though. How many love Him that much? He can take sex away from me. He can do. He can do whatever He wants. I love Him, but thankfully, I did get to get married, be fruitful, and multiply. There's a vision that God has for your life. He wants you to understand it. Let's go to Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-two. How many know it's okay to double dip in the miracles of God? How many know it's okay to go back for seconds? How many went back for seconds over Christmas dinner? How many went back for thirds, fourth, fifth, right? Brought home the leftovers, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, some of you still eating it. How about this? How many know that if God's going to do a miracle in your life, it has a purpose, and if he's going to repeat a miracle he's done before, there's got to be a reason in it. This is the only time we see in the New Testament that Jesus repeats the same miracle to get the job done. The same God who created the heavens and the earth in one spoken word works through this man scene in two miracles. This is teaching us the principle that sometimes God will do two miracles. You may say, God, just do it in one, but God will sometimes do it in two. Let's read the story. They came to Bethesda, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Somebody say, he saw everything clearly. Come on, somebody say, God wants me to see everything clearly. Amen. Now he can see everything clearly after the second miracle. I mean, you go from being blind to seeing people like trees. That's a miracle. How many know if you were blind, you would at least be cool with that? I mean, now at least I can see sunset and sunrise. I can see if someone's coming at me. They may look like a tree, but I know to get out the way. Okay? That's better than being blind. But he goes back in one more time. He heals him. Now he sees everything clear. The man had better sight than I even have now. Verse 26, Jesus sent him home, and he said to him, Don't even go into the village. At this point, we know in Jesus' ministry, he's doing his uh, miracles in secret because he's not here to be a magician like Chris Angel and draw people to him by just miracles. He's here to get his message out and ultimately die on the cross for our sins and rise again. You know, for, for me as a preacher, I don't like to preach allegorical, and that's to take a story and take it into some other direction where it can mean whatever the preacher wants it to mean. But I think there's a great example here we can get. God does multiple miracles to restore the man's physical sight. God can do multiple miracles to restore our spiritual sight. Now, I know that a lot of us didn't like to take this to meaning, well, I'm blind with sin then, and Jesus has to restore my sight. That's not the way you're supposed to use this. Being blind by your sin is not going to be multiple miracles in that sense. Jesus wants you to be saved today and be forgiven from your sins now. Sin is not something you should ever carry in your life and look at it the same way you would look at a sickness story. Sickness stories relate to us by telling us there's things that happen in life to good people, and it's not your choice. A sin is your choice. Committing sin is your choice. And so if you are today blinded by your sin, make the decision to come to Jesus and he'll open your eyes and you will be blind no more. If you want to follow me as a preacher today in this illustration, I'm talking to those who have not done anything wrong and you are trying to see more clearly and God is working to establish a clearer vision in your life. Do you see the difference? So I don't think you do. Let me help you one more time. How many know if Jesus came to this room right now? and wanted to heal me of my eyesight, how many know that has nothing to do with me being in sin? It's just, I don't see well, Jesus. I see, as people are trees right now, I can't make out genders. I can't make out eye colors. I'm like that man, Jesus. Would you heal me physically? How many know if I got healed physically, that would, be nothing, that would have nothing to do with my personal walk with God, whether I look at pornography, whether I curse, or whatever. how many know that has nothing to do with my spiritual walk with holiness, obedience? How many know that? Okay, that's what we need to get from this. Obedience Holiness is not in the subject matter here. What is in the subject matter is that eyes were blind, now they see. We as Christians can miss what God is doing, and we need to come back and have the eyesight adjusted. And so let me give you a few examples of how this looks in a Christian's life. For me, 20 plus years serving Jesus, I have always wanted to see things clearly, Like, it's my desire, just like the blind man, I want to see. It's been my desire to see things clearly, but I haven't always seen things clearly. Going back to the days I was single, always ready to mingle. God told me to wait, but I went on online dating. How many know that's a choice for me to take off my glasses and to see things blurry? That's a choice. That was a choice for me to not want to see the things of God. And so oftentimes, we make our decisions to end up in the places that we are in. Now, there's also times, just like having glasses. I've had them since I've been a child in kindergarten. There's been things that have come at me in life, and I didn't know where they were coming from. I didn't know why I couldn't discern what they were. And then I had to humble myself and ask God, God, can you focus me in on this relationship? Should I be close to them? Lord, should this person be a leader in our church? You see, it's fuzzy, God. I can't see it, but I need to focus. So there are times in life where I have made bad decisions or have done things I know I shouldn't have done or should have did, and my vision became blurry. And then there's other times in life where things come at me, it's situations, and they're blurry, and I have to ask God for sight. So no matter what situation you're in today or whether both, we all need to come and get 2020 vision. Let's put up on the board the the flyer for today. I want you to take a look at these things. I have these available if you go to info at mpichurch.org. I can send this to you. You can fill it in for your year. It's also on our app and website as I have it right now with mine in there. I want you to flip over your notes or flip over the flyer so you can get to the notes portion of your handout and pull out your phone. Everybody, I want you to multitask today. Today's lesson is going to be participation. Uh, it's going it's to have class participation As we end out this new year, we ought to look at all the good things God has already done and give him praise. And we did that in our time of worship. Now what we want to do is we want to set our heart on the things of God and ask him to tune us in to give us 2020 vision for the future. These are the six major areas of life. Here they are, discipleship, family, church, job, health, extras. Now, if you want to name your extras, go ahead and do that. If you want this as it is, we can send it to you as I was just sharing. Now, each one of these things that are here are going to be important to you in life. And sometimes, because I listed it out as well on the notes, you have a number one and you have a number two. So, discipleship, serving God is number one and family's number two in church. But that's not really the best way to look at it because how many know if my discipleship is good but my job's not good, I'm still not living a God a centered life because I'll be a broke disciple. I'll be bumming off you guys all the time. Are you guys listening to me? How many know I could have a great family life, but I'm always putting my family first and I'm never coming to church? How many know my family's going to suffer? So every component is a hundred percent to be successful. So, you need 100% in your family, 100% in your discipleship, 100% in the next thing, the next thing. Don't look at it like, well, if I just get discipleship down, who cares what job I have? No, that's not going to last very long. You're going to be very unhappy at your job. You're going to miss the purpose of what working is meant to do, and you're going to suffer over time. Same thing with health. I've known a lot of great fat preachers. Fat preachers are awesome. I used to be one of them. And by the way, that's the word I'll be using to describe my, my, my uh, weight. And then your weight today. Are we okay with the word fat? Okay. If you, if you don't like that word, just every time I hear I say the word fat, hear in a nice soft voice, overweight. Okay. <laughs> I, I know a lot of fat preachers. They're awesome. They're great. They can preach. But they're fat. They're unhealthy. I was a fat preacher. I got over 80 pounds. And so, yeah, I could have Jesus down, my family church. But if my health's not right, I'm going to die at 50 years old as a great preacher. Do you see how important every one of these things are? Is there any one of the spokes off of the wheel of your bike you would like to take off today and go ride in your bike? As a matter of fact, part of what I've done to get in health is ride bikes, and I ride them you know, 30 miles, two hours a day, whenever I, I get the chance to do it, and I learned how sensitive your spokes are to the bike. And so I have a bike with a lot of spokes on them. And just one, you can instantly tell, especially if you're a rider and you're riding all the time, you can tell when one spoke is off. And then you bring it in, and then they calibrate it. And what they'll do is they'll put that tire right there on this machine that they have, and they'll bring in these little pieces of metal, like just so the tire uh, can go around and touch each one of your spokes. And if one, one of the spokes is off more than like a centimeter, it'll go ding, 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 and then they'll mark it, and then they'll adjust it until that wheel can just float through that, that machine without any dings. God wants every one of these things to be right because he is the gear that makes it all move. We are to be centered on him. He wants us to have 20-20 vision in all of these things. This is the perfect will of God for your life. So what I did is I went and I took some time to pray. You're not going to be able to do that right now because you're listening to me talk, and I'm just going to lead by example, and some of the things are going to be weird and awkward, and I'll try to get through them a little bit quick. It's funny because whenever it gets awkward, I want to like explain it more, and then I stay there more. Some of the things I should just go right through and just keep moving. But here's how I want you to receive this. I want you to hear what I'm sharing today as an example, but Go back this week, especially when you have time off, and pray and do what I did. Put in the work and then write it down, just like God told the prophet to write it down and do what? Share it with others so that it can be passed on to trusted people that you can be accountable to the things you put down on this piece of paper. Isn't that awesome? This is what you came to church for today, and I hope that it blesses you. So for each one of the points here, I have goals and actions. So you don't just want to have a goal. You want to have an action step with it. And this is for any uh, thing you're attempting to do in life. So let's go to discipleship. No matter how great of a, uh, a Christian you become, you're still a disciple. No matter how long you're a Christian, you're always a disciple. How many disciples do I have in the house today? Come on. Boom. So for me, my first goal is to have freedom from fear and walk in faith and love. And I have a scripture that talks about that. And I would encourage you, for every goal, put a scripture. Put the word of God on it. So it's not just what you think. It's what God wants you to know about these things. So it's not just a wish list. It's literally you praying through things. And as I was praying through I really felt that I had to get over fear. Now, a lot of you might think, Joe, you're bold. You do all these things. How is fear your issue? That's my issue, Pastor Joe. That's not yours. No, fear is real. Fear is real for all of us because whatever step we get to in life, we always are afraid to go to that next step. So right now with a family of six, I'm afraid of the future. How are my kids going to go to college? How am I going to pay for this? How do I raise them up through their teenage years? And right now I'm helping Bethany join the Elevate Youth Group at 11 years old. And, and so those fears come in. And then now that I've been uh, established as a church, I get fears like, man, what if it doesn't work out? Or what if these interns don't have the ability to start their churches? And, and what if it falls apart? Like there's a lot to lose now. When it was just a home Bible study, it didn't really Really matter as much. Now I'm afraid of losing this wonderful church. So you can see fear creeps in for everybody. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? You know, what's going to be the way I'm going to have my family? What's my marriage going to be like? And I really felt specifically that the Lord told me He wants me to get rid of fear. And the way He wanted me to have the action step was that whenever I'm praying and making decisions, that once I recognize it's a fear, I cast it out and do not listen to it, and I go on the word of God. How many know that's easier said than done? Because one of my greatest fears is my children living on the mission field and me not seeing them very much because my children want to go on the mission field. So how many know that's a fear I can have right now for the next 20 years? Just I'm going to lose Bethany. She's going to go move to Jerusalem. She wants to go do this. I'm going to have to go on 20-hour flights to just go see her. I'm, I'm going to miss my family. That could be a fear I have right now. You see, but what I'm going to do is trust God. So whenever I have the fear of it's going to not be cool to have my children do X, Y, and Z, I'm just going to say, I know that's not of God. I'm going to rejoice whatever God is doing. I'm good with it. I'm good with this. I'm good with what this is, even though it doesn't feel like it. Second goal I have is to see more spiritual gifts operate in my life. So the action step for that is when I'm preaching, teaching, even here on services, uh, services on Sunday, I want to hear what the Spirit is saying. Man, I want to take time to pray for the sick, not just have all the altar workers have the fun. I want to be sensitive to what God is doing. There's mine. What would be some of yours? Maybe you're having a sin issue right now. And you don't ever want to do that sin again. Write that down. Ask God to give you action steps. Remember, these are things you're going to share with others, trusted people that you love, people in your life group, people that are going to help keep you accountable to this. Maybe you want to do something that's more discipline oriented. You want to pray a certain amount of time every day. You want to read your Bible throughout the, the whole year and complete a Bible reading plan. Our devotions that I send out through the, the Facebook page, You could do every day, and it has a Bible reading plan to read the whole Bible in a year. Maybe that's something you want to do, and it comes on the app as well. No excuses, and the Bible's on the app too. I mean, it's all right here for us, right? So what are your things? Let's go now next to family. And remember, we're not saying that everything in discipleship is more important than family. No, because a part of my discipleship is doing great things in my family. Do you see how they're connected? If I say I'm a great disciple, but I have a bad family, am I really a great disciple? No, because great disciples have great families and so forth and so on. And so for my family, one of my goals right here is I put to do more ministry with my wife. You see, she's sitting right there just listening to me preach. That's pretty much the only time we're together in a church setting. Everything else we're doing, you know, like on our own. We're doing it like somewhat separately. We do leadership meetings and staff meetings together, but I want to do actual ministry with her. And some of you know this, but many of you probably don't. I met my wife at the Mardi Gras outreach many years ago while we were street preaching at Mardi Gras. So being on the streets is not only just a good thing for us to do, it's a biblical thing that keeps us close to each other, that draws us to each other. So what's an action step I need for that? I need to stop saying, honey, you need to come, and she needs to stop saying, honey, I'm going to come, we need to actually look for sitters on Mondays and Saturdays. That means now I have to plan in my budget how to pay a sitter just like I would if we were going to go out and watch a movie. That's important. We're not going to hit that goal unless we put action steps to it. Don't think because you walked into this building and we believe in God that now you can sprinkle pixie dust over your whole life and somehow it works now. You have to abide by the same principles God put in the universe that everybody else is abiding by. That's organization, seed, time, and harvest, etc. You and I cannot just ask God in a prayer like, oh God, miraculously give us a babysitter and expect God to operate that way. God taught us through sowing and reaping that when the farmer wants to see a crop, he has to go and sow the crop, plant the crop, and he has to take care of the crop. Then he reaps the crop. Maybe my wife and I will only be able to do this a couple times a year this next year because it will be so hard finding the babysitter with the money on the day. But the point is we're going to work towards it. Look at your family. What are things you want to do? Here's my second one. I want to grow with my children in devotions. Right now we have great devotions. We spend time together at our dinner table, but I want it to be a little bit more um, organized. So I'm thinking about using our devotional or a child's devotional. People have told me they want to write a children's devotional. I'm still waiting for that uh, in this church. And so my action step is two to three times a week, start organizing how we go through the Bible. And we tried a little bit of it, I believe, yesterday. Have them read the devotional, those who can read, so they can practice their reading. Big deal for us in our family. Once again, these are my goals for my family. Maybe you're single. You need to put down your goals for what you're looking for in a spouse so you're not going to fall just for anybody. Maybe right now you know that's not even on your radar. So you need to put what you're going to do with your time in your your life. Like when you get off of work, and you're not at church, what do you do to grow yourself personally so that you can have what you want in life? The Bible says that what you, what you sow is what you're going to reap. So if you're a messy single and you're not using that time alone to clean your house, you're gonna be a messy spouse one day. Are you guys listening? If you haven't got your finances in order, you're gonna be an irresponsible spouse one day. And so as, as the people would say in the world, work on yourself, I would say let God work on you in your singleness In your young adultness to make you awesome so when you get married, you don't have to take five steps backwards to start your marriage, you know what I'm saying? Like, hold on, we are married now, but really, I still don't know how to do laundry. I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to budget my money. You know, don't be like that. Take that time. to to build yourself in the things of God. And I really believe that the 10 years the Lord had me single, I was able to do that. So thankfully, my wife's testimony when we got married was a great merging together. She never had to worry about the rent, the food, and all of those things. I learned those lessons as a younger man, being at the grocery store checkout and having the card come back declined, okay? I learned that as a younger man, uh, I, I should have learned how to fill up the gas tank as a younger man, but she's been with me a few times while we ran out of gas, because uh, I think we can go two or three more miles. Oh, famous last words. We were in uh, Devil's Lake, Wisconsin, seriously, man, middle of the night, got back from rock climbing, and we were driving on some, some dark road, and I'm like, I know I can get this gas station up here, it's got cheaper gas, ran out of gas had to get the police to come, and then he said, well, I can't do nothing for you. I'm like, can you at least drop me off over there? He's like, no, you're going to have to get somebody else. I don't know why they didn't help me at that point, but I had to basically get like, somebody to stop from driving to bring me in their car, go buy a gas tank, come back. What I thought I was going to save in like 30 cents of gas, whatever, I ended up spending in time and gas tank and paying for that dude to bring me to where I was. Okay? And so those are the lessons we should be learning now. Now let's go to the next one, church. One of my goals this year is to start new MPI churches because that's what I do, right? So I'm going to see big picture stuff in the church. What are you guys going to see? Maybe multiply your life group, graduate 101, 201, become an elder or deacon. These are noble uh, goals that we should all have. For me, helping church planners and to plant churches is to work with our interns, see who's ready to go launch out, how how can we do it financially and to help them. The next goal that I have there is to basically multiply everything in the church. And so what? we're doing to multiply our life groups and discipleship and all that is we have our pastor setting up goals for all of these ministries. How many life group leaders know you guys have goals for your life groups? Amen. So remember the old saying, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So I'm not going to show up in year 2020 at this time at the end of the year and go, what happened, guys? We're still the same size, not growing. What's No, no, no. All throughout the year, every month, I'm going to be looking at reports. I'm going to be asking, what can we do better? Can we change locations? Can we pump more finances into this? Do we need to be more creative? Where does God want us to be blessed in the church and in the ministry? And you need to be doing the same thing. This don't float along through 101. Tell your 101-er, man, I want to graduate this year. Tell the 201 teacher, man, I want to graduate this year. What do I have to do? Deacons and elders set a goal to have one or two disciples this year. Go into the 101, 201, and graduate. Once again, this is not make-believe. This is not where we just sprinkle pixie dust on everything. The Bible says that he prepared good works for us to do. We are his workmanship to do these good things. Let's go to the next one, the job. Now, I included my side gigs here because I also do things outside of the church. And I don't ever want you guys to feel that because I do side gigs or that I have dreams of becoming independently wealthy and paying back the church all that it's given me, don't think that you guys have not taken care of my wife and I. It's no different than the person on your job who's doing another thing. It doesn't mean his first job is bad or inadequate. It just means there's other things he wants to do or she wants to do as well. And so a lot of you are starting your own businesses. Many of you want to be entrepreneurs. Many of you want to own houses and land or rental properties, and I'm right there with you. I want to be independently wealthy, not dependent upon just a job and a paycheck. I want to have passive income come in. Now, I want to share this a little bit more clearly because this is one of those awkward moments, is that in Timothy, it says, those who want to become rich can fall into a lot of trouble, and then the Bible says don't love money. I say amen to all of that, but how many know that you can enjoy Money, but not love money. How many know you can enjoy sex but not love it and become addicted to it? How many know you can enjoy your friends but not become addicted to it or be possessed by those things, making those idols? And so for me, I am totally content with living how I live, with the church paying my income the way it is. Thank you. And you'll hear all those numbers next week, by the way. We're going to do our end of the year report. You're going to see where all the finances went. You're going to get your giving records. You're going to hear the goals for the next year. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. I won't get into all that, but it was definitely a year of increase. But the point is, I want to be able to have things outside of just working nine to five. I want to see passive income come in. And I want to encourage you guys with this. If you have never watched the show Shark Tank, a lot of you need to do that just to expand your mind. It blows my mind on how people make money off of things that I already knew were problems. So, for example, my son always takes off his socks. He just takes off his socks. Anybody have children take off their socks? A parent came up with an idea to have silicone in the socks so it sticks to the skin. Nothing like a glue, nothing like a, 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 a sticker. It's just a texture. The silicone texture in the sock prevents the child from pulling it out. Millions of dollars right now. Come on, somebody say spanks. Dude, a woman just, I mean, this is what I want to say. Women, men, everybody, children, everybody. A young, a young adult on a Shark Tank. He, he, he said, man, we got Bluetooth everything, but we don't have Bluetooth padlocks. He came up. He just came up with the idea, put Bluetooth into a padlock so I don't have to ever remember those crazy combinations, millions of dollars, and he was from another country, and he didn't even have to design it. He just came up with the, the, the idea and worked with designers and said, how can I get my phone when I'm at the gym to just unlock it, you know, just unlock that thing, put a little chip in there, boom, Spanx, you know, lady parts hanging out all over the place sometimes men parts hang out and she took her pantyhose and started putting it over her body to make her body look more fit and now she's a billionaire oh y'all get quiet like that So you just want me to tell you the story again about David and Goliath, right? That's all you want to hear. Leave my job out of this, pastor. Listen to me. If all you want to do is work a nine-to-five, that's awesome. You can be our employees because we'll need great employees. But I have to speak to entrepreneurs in here. Please go for it, but be careful as you do. So for me, doing the side gig, for me, I want to write and publish three books. Obviously, that kind of ties into the church gig. But here's the thing, I never want to make money off of my books or anything in the religious setting. I get paid to be a pastor, that's it. Weddings are free, books are free, conferences are free. Whatever you want to give to the church, after that we start to give to the other people and leaders. Uh, So I want to put out three books. Uh, The one, the Catholic book, is going to be coming out this year. That uh, real saints don't pray to saints. That's going to be kind of cool. But this year I want to put out the one on suicide, the catechism, which is like a child devotional. But it's actually for young adults as well, for anybody. And then I want to take my my dissertation book on identity and make that a book. So three books, and that will be all free for you guys. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to set aside time to write every week. So every week I have a day where I just write a book. And my goal is to write 50 books in my lifetime. I'm already at 21. Can we give it up for Jesus? Amen. They're free. PDFs online for everybody they're around the country and the world now and if you can't afford the paperback because we have to pay it to do it and whatever money you give goes to the missions if you can't afford it just ask one of them and we'll give it to you and then the other thing is is I just want to have the passive income matching in so right now I'm losing a lot of income by investing but I want to learn how to invest Uh, my in-laws they do property some of you do properties here some of you are doing businesses I'm still at the point where I'm losing a lot of my passive income so like I work really hard for it and then I set it on fire and invest it and it burns up. What I'm trying to do is not have it do that, okay? So for those of us here who have dreams and ambitions, let's make sure we don't lose what God has given us in the one realm as we go into that other realm. Don't let the side gig cost you your main gig. And by the way, I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. I've watched my dad start businesses, close businesses, and make a lot of money at businesses. So don't take it personal. It happens in life. So next, go to health. Even just as awkward, let's talk about health. My goal is to weigh 205 and have a six-pack. Okay, so you need to set... Let me go back to making this applicable for you. You're happy for me in a six-pack. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Let me just say this real quick. I forgot to make that personal for you and your job. What's your goals, you know? What are you going to do? What do you want to see this year? What do you want to accomplish? Pray. See, I prayed about this. I actually prayed and asked the Lord, God, should I just... Not do anything else except only focus on pastoring 24-7. Or God, do you want me to also do other things that can benefit the kingdom? Employ people, give more shekels because I give you know, this back to the church and all this. And I felt the Lord show me how to do this. And he's going to adjust me, remember, as I go along. You have to do the same thing. What, what do you want to do as a job? Paul was a tent maker as well as doing ministry. David was a king and a, and a prophet. I mean, I'll keep you here all day. Don't limit yourself but only to the things of God. What God says, do. And if God told me to be a janitor right now, resign from the church, and just be the one who cleans, I would do it in 30 seconds. If God said, give it all up, move to Africa, and all of us have to be there. Okay, let's talk about health. Because remember, we can have all of this stuff awesome, but if we're not in good health, we'll die at 50 years old. And some of my friends have already died. Seriously, they're already dead because of health-related reasons. Some of it was like really serious, like cancer and stuff. Others, I I think probably partly was their lifestyle, was their lifestyle. And we need to take care of ourselves. I was upwards of 286 pounds about four years ago. I was fat. Okay, I was a fat guy, and that might probably was why when I was growing up as a kid, I liked the fat boys, okay? So that's t- 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 but I, I, I was fat. Now, if you ask me, how did I get fat? I didn't get fat by just like chugging down like a gallon of ice cream a day, and most of us, because I talk to a lot of you guys about these things, like my friends, like you know my weight journey, you, you share with me yours. Most of us are not like that. How did I gain 80 plus pounds and become overweight? Just a pound a week you just don't notice it. If you just go a little bit less to the gym and eat just a little bit more than what your body is burning, you'll easily g- gain a pound a week as you get older, especially as your wife's having kids, as you're a man or a woman adding on baby weight, whatever, right? And so there you go. 52 weeks in a year, there's 50 pounds. It did not take about, but about two years for me to gain 80 pounds. That's it. It wasn't like I was addicted to food. It wasn't like I was uh, just like scarfing down a lot or it wasn't even going to the gym. I was going to the gym while gaining weight. Come on, somebody. Let's be honest with this. And the the problem was is I just didn't want to make that sacrifice. But the Bible says you have to do it. That physical discipline is of some benefit. And so now my goal is 205 with a six pack. It's been there for a while, but I'm still keeping it on the board. The lowest I got was 212. Now I'm 221, so I gained back about nine, and now I want to go to 205. Does anybody want to join me on the weight loss journey this year? All right, great, because I'm selling a product. Meet me at the back. I'm selling Herbalife. I'm selling this. You know, let me just tell all you guys with this. I appreciate all the home businesses too. I really do appreciate them. Just make sure you operate in grace around the church because these are all your friends. And after a while, they just probably get tired of it, okay? That doesn't mean they don't support you. It just means like they're not your customer and that's okay. And here's the part that I actually have a bone to pick with pastors. When they do multi-marketing, they really put their people under pressure, okay? So listen, my side gig, my weight loss is never going to turn to me selling you something in the back, okay? Now, if you want to do that and you have good motives and you're cool with it, you're more than welcome to do that to church. Just be nice to people because we get reports sometimes, not from really anybody that's here anymore, but back in the past that people were pushing their herbal life a little bit hard or whatever that was. And it's just like, put on the brakes a little bit, okay? Let them know what you do, post it on your Facebook and then move on, okay? Find some new clientele. So uh, I'm going to I'm doing Weight Watchers, okay? I do the Weight Watchers app. One to two pounds a week for 12 to 15 weeks. My thing is slow and steady. It came on slow and steady, take it off slow and steady. Another goal is to get braces. I know this is weird. I'm going through this with you guys. But here's the thing. Does God care about Joe getting braces? He does. I prayed about that. You know, because when I grew up, it was like, if your, teeth, if your teeth aren't broken, you're fine, you know? And then as I became a young adult, it's like, you're too old now for braces. But there's been this whole transformation. My dentist was telling me about it. He's a great salesman. Uh, you know, like 10 years ago, like all of this changed. Now braces are for adults. And a lot of you like use these kind of products, like Visalign, what's that called? Avisalign, all these things. So what happened here huh, is my teeth came in and my jaw got, uh, this upper part of my mouth got smaller and these teeth popped out. And he's like, oh man, we could hook you up, you know. And <laughs> showed me like the picture, like with the, the graphic with my teeth replaced now. It's perfectly straight and all that. Which by the way, I do have more white teeth than many of you guys here. Can I tell you the trick to that? I don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. Many of you don't like, like my wife, the color of your teeth. It's because you drink a lot of coffee. I don't drink coffee. Anyways, um, so I got to get my teeth fixed. So I prayed about it. I had to pray about it. And I even told my wife originally, "Now nah, I don't want it to do it. too much money. I'm cool. I'm all right. I'm cool. I'm good. But then I really felt the Lord say like, come on, Dito, you can do that. Like, get your teeth fixed, son. Like, because I, I really felt the Lord, I mean, because it's not going to be cheap. How many know it's going to be thousands of dollars? I had to pray about it. Go and look at your life. Pray about your health. Pray about your food. Pray about your diet. Make time to become the best physical specimen you can be. Now, last but not least, the extras of life. For me, that's graduating with a doctorate. I have to do the dissertation by May. And then I'm learning conversational Greek because that's where my family, my wife's family's from. And the New Testament is Greek, so I need to do these lessons to to get good at it. And one of the things is when I was first taught Greek in seminary is they taught me all of the technical stuff that just bored me and had me so lost. Like I don't even know what a preposition is in English, let alone in Greek. So you're like, here's Greek prepositions. And I'm like, what are prepositions? positions. Here's a participle. And I'm like, I don't even know if I said the word right. Is it participle? Okay. You know. So what I'm doing now is just learning it conversationally, just to be able to talk it, to understand it, to know how the words form together. So when I go to this ancient document written in that language, I can at least recognize the letters and the forms and what's going on there. Okay. What are your extras? Maybe you want to travel more. Maybe you want to help your children do something great, you know. Some some of you have uh, sport goals, like for your kids. I want them to play baseball. I want them to do all of this. I couldn't put everything in my life here, but I wanted to use it as an example. And I really want you guys to pray this year to see how you're going to plug everything into Jesus. And so, uh, Rachel, would you come in closing? Now, just think to yourself before we close out, is there anything in your life that is detached from God? Like, do you go to your job and you're just like, man, whatever happens here, I hope God doesn't see because it gets wild here. You know, man, I hope God doesn't hear what I say on the job. That's the wrong way to think. Plug in your job to to the gear of Jesus. I mean, I know we as Christians can be weird sometimes because it's like, I wore this outfit because the Lord told me to, you know. But I think in other ways, we become almost like atheists Monday through Saturday. Like we are Christians and God believers on Sunday. But then it's like Monday, I'm an atheist. I just pretend God doesn't exist. I do everything on my own. I didn't need God to do this, this, and that. But but I come here and then I feel a little better about myself on Sundays. We shouldn't feel that way. We as Christians should put every major part of our life into the gear of the cross and say, Lord, you do this work in me. Now, can people in the world do many of these things without connecting to God? Yes, but only on a surface level. The way I like to look at it is they have maybe a bodybuilding, you know, body, or they're healthy, or they have a lot of money. But they don't have the purpose behind that. The purpose behind you having a body is to serve God in your body. So, okay, the bodybuilder, okay, I, I did all of this, I did all of this. Okay, why? So I could look really good. Do you know you're going to die one day? You're going to be put in a casket one day. Yeah, yeah, but I want to look good as I, is before I die. Okay, what did you get out of that? See, that's a different mindset. See, our mindset is, I want to be in shape. I want to be in shape. I want to be healthy. Why? So I can serve God longer. So that I can be more effective in my life. So that I can feel better about myself when I'm around others and not be self-conscious. See, those of us who have dealt with weight, we feel self-conscious about our weight. And we want to feel comfortable in our body when we're around others. That makes them feel comfortable. One of the reasons I didn't like dressing up for a long time is because I didn't feel comfortable dressing up. I mean, let's just keep it real. And then it's the same thing with the job. Oh, yeah, Bill Gates, he's making a lot of money. All these guys are setting records. I mean, way more than I'll probably ever have, right? But once again, you ask Bill Gates, Bill Gates, why do you have money? Now, he may say something good like, well, I want to give it away and help people. Okay, but for what purpose do you want to help people? Because the one you just gave a vaccine to, Yeah, they didn't die at 12 years old, but they're going to die at 80. What's the purpose of keeping human beings alive longer? It's like an ant farm in a sense. Why are we keeping all these ants alive? Oh, because it's just the right thing to do. Why is it the right thing to do? The godless don't have a purpose for helping others, but the Christian does. See, when I give tithes and offerings, and it's such a joy to do this, Because it's another avenue for me to give even now as a pastor. These side gigs and different things, I can give that to the Lord. I have a purpose for that. Why? Because the gospel goes forth when we feed the hungry, clothe the naked. And so souls who outlive their bodies will be able to inherit the treasures of heaven. So I'm leveraging, everybody get this. I am (laughs) leveraging these treasures to get more of those treasures. Read the parable of the shrewd steward. The Bible says, Jesus talking, he says, the the worldly are more shrewd with making money and friends than the godly are. He literally says, make friends with wealthy people for the sake of the gospel in that parable. Read it, I'm not lying to you. Why? Because when we have, we can give. Can I start a homeless shelter if I'm homeless? Can I feed the hungry if I'm hungry? No, you have to have to give. Now, can God bless us if we don't have? Of course, but you gotta see the big picture. How about the church last? Come on, man. Some of you in the church are like the forever 101 student. You need to get past that, man. Get honest with yourself. Just like you would get honest with yourself and step on the scale, get honest with your 101 leader and be like, why am I not graduating? Just what's going on? Tell me. I want to work on that this year. I want to see it change this year. Now, everybody think about this real quick. If we had the vision for all of these things the way God does, what will 2020 be like? What will 2020 be like in my family if I do this? What's the church going to look like? What's my health going to look like? Come on, let's be honest. Do you see there's a reason for this? That's a vision. What is your life going to look like? And I give you permission. I give every single one of you permission to have what I call big talk with me. See, a lot of small talk doesn't go anywhere with me. It's like, oh, hey, how you doing? How's the weather, all this? Let me just give you the answers right now. The weather is fine, and every day is a good day with Jesus. Okay, now we're past that. Ask me how I'm doing about the other things. Ask me how my doctorate's going, right? Let me know what's going on in your life, like what you want to do. I just talked to one of our entrepreneurs. He wants to expand his location. Now i got something to talk about. Hey, how's that coming along with the location? Or let's say you're, you're doing some great things with your daughter or whatever. You know, talk to me about that. Or you're, or you're planning on making a move in your company and you want someone to pray with you. Those are the things that get us excited in life. Why wouldn't that be exciting in church? So I don't want you just to come to church like like when we have our meeting next week and I say, we did this much financially and we did this much here and all this. I don't want that just to stop here. Like I want to know what are you excited about this coming a week in your business? Did you guys hit your quarterly goals, you know? Do you want to slide me a little insider information without breaking the law, without breaking the law of what your company's about ready to pop off? Come on, Daryl, Right? I mean, Daryl and I talk stocks. This company's about ready to do this. Do you know that most people make money off stocks just simply following the news and the reports and the reportings? It's mind-blowing how we can connect in this church. We can support each other in this church. Maybe one more thing. I think that if we believed Jesus was with us everywhere we went, we would do more in all these areas. Seriously, if we really believe Jesus was eating with us, would we have that second piece of cake? No, because we would feel weird because we know that Jesus knows how we feel about it the next day. Would, would we cut corners on our job if we really knew Jesus was there? Would we really, come on guys, let's be honest. Would we, would we really be two years in the 101 if Jesus was the one doing the 101? If, if that cross, come on somebody, if that cross was really what we saw and all that we did, would we be where we're at in a lot of these areas? No, we wouldn't. We would say, oh, I got to do something different now. Oh, I got to make a change now. Oh, I should come here better now. So let's stop making the excuses. Let's see the world the way Jesus does and ask him to bless us this year. Amen. Uh, altar workers and band, would you come, please? Let's just pray maybe where you're seating, seated at and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. Father, we looked at our lives today in a way that can help us see a big picture. But Father, we need you to to fill in the blanks, to teach us how to hear your voice. I pray for each one of us here, Lord, that we'll pray and make adjustments right where you're seated at right now. Ask the Lord this week to help you see the big picture, to give you 2020 vision. And it's okay to come back and say, it's still a little blurry, Jesus. I don't see it clearly. God's able to pray and do a miracle again like Jesus did. God's able to do a miracle as you pray. A few moments right now, look at your lives. The only reason I went through mine is because I wanted to be personally accountable to you this year. I want you to see where I'm going as a leader. You listen to me every week, right? You come and you honor this church by doing that. But I wanted to set an example and go, hey, I'm going for 2020 vision this year. Who else wants to do it? If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Who's aiming for great things in their family? Who's aiming for great things in discipleship, in the church? As the old saying goes, you may not hit the stars, but you'll get to the moon. you got to get to the point where you can set a goal and stick with it. Even if it doesn't come this year, maybe it comes in two years, what are you going to do this year that helps you get closer? A few more moments. Let's talk about it. Real life with Jesus right now Lord look at our hearts Lord we're not, we know we're not doing this to be saved We're already Christians And if you're not a Christian today Ask Jesus into your heart to forgive you of sins You don't have to make yourself a better person to be a Christian Let's clear that up But all of those here who are already Christians And you want to be a King's kid And just do this life with God Take a few moments Look at some of the areas right now God loves you healthy. God loves it when you have energy and you don't have to depend on caffeine and energy drinks. God loves it when you spend time with your family. God loves it when you put his word and his church first in a lot of areas of your life and your integrity. God loves it when you go to your job and you hit a home run or do something great or you keep your cool when things go wrong. God is wanting you to do more like that. Help us plug into you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can you stand up with me? Let's bless him one more time. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next year. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come on up for prayer if you want some or worship. We're believing God for great things. 2020 vision in 2020 God bless you let's go hallelujah